Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. And this is Dev Raga, Personal Finance, and welcome to episode 34. In this episode, I just want to relook at an article that I read about wills. And we'll talk a little bit about why it's so important for you to have a will. Now, if you haven't listened to my original podcast episode on wills and trusts, etc., I think it's worthwhile to go back and listen to that first before going on to this episode. And the second issue that I want to highlight today is I want to discuss a little bit about the potential ticking time bomb when it comes to your investment property loan. Now, as everyone would know that have been listening to my podcast channel for over 10 months now that I've been doing this, the motto is quite simple. It's about paying yourself first. So taking a set amount of money or percentage of your income after tax income, that is, and putting it aside and investing it for the long term. And when I mean long term, I'm not talking about five, seven, or even 10 years. I'm really talking about 20, 30, or 40 years. So the power of compounding works when you do it for the longer term rather than the shorter term. Now, if you can't save uh, a 20%, which is what I recommend that you save of your net income, that's after-tax income, start with 5% and then work your way up to 10% and then maybe 15% and at least try and come up to that 20% figure as close to it as possible. Now, if you can't do it forever, that doesn't matter. The more you save now, the better it is for the long term. So start slow and go slow just go for the long term. Now, let's talk about an article that I read uh, on uh, news.com.au, I think it was. It was about a couple of months ago. Um, and the article summary was basically about what happens when they did a survey of people above the age of 18 about not having a will. So 54% of those surveyed above the age of 18%, uh, sorry, 18 years of age, beg your pardon, did not have a will. That is an incredible statistic. And of those that did have wills, only 75% have had it updated in recent times. So when you think about it, if you have a will and don't have it up to date, then what's the point? Now, what's the objective of the will? The objective of the will is to ensure that assets are distributed according to your last wishes. What are the dangers of not having a will is that if you don't have a will, and I've gone into this in very much detail in previous podcasts, then it means that you will die what's called interstate. Relies on someone putting up their hand to take control of your assets and its distribution. And I've gone into detail, like I've said in my previous podcast, about how this happens. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, and you'll understand what it means to die interstate. Now, why is that really important? Well, it's important because this means that if you die to state, you run the risk of your assets being distributed to people that you might not want it distributed to. So you might have an estranged partner, an estranged family member, such as children or even stepchildren that may put up their hand and say, hey, look, I want a part of that pie. I want a part of that asset portfolio that you have created and now you're dead and you've got no say in how that assets get distributed. And there is an algorithmic approach to this that the government uses as well. 
Now, in today's world, the blended family is more and more common. Now, the definition of a blended family is different depending on what you read it, but essentially it means that you may have children from previous relationships that may come into effect, particularly when you're trying to create a will or when you're thinking about distributing your assets upon your death. So it can create some complex issues, particularly with a blended family, if you don't have cohesive relationships with your exes. Now, the child who's, you know, fallen out with a parent, so supposing you're the child and your net worth is quite significant and you die, you may have to give up some of your assets to your estranged parent. So it works both ways. It's not just parents having to give away wealth to their estranged daughters or sons or uncles or aunts or whatever. It's children who die who are having to give away their wealth to their estranged parents that they might not have contact with for a number of years. These are all issues which need to be addressed. They're very uncomfortable discussions and they're very uncomfortable issues to address. But my general feeling is it's better to get it over and done with earlier rather than later. And of course, always review your will every year. You can do it at financial year time. You can do it in you know, salary packaging year time, which is March, April. You can do it in academic year time. It doesn't matter. Try and review your will every year. And in fact, review everything about your personal finances every year. That includes taxation, deductions, insurance, wills, personal insurance, home insurance, asset portfolios, investments, fees, whatever. Look at everything every year. Now, when um, uh, uh, when you sort of review your will, um, like I said, it's important to review everything about your personal finance because that may affect what's in the will. Now, there are a few issues to think about in addition to who gets your assets. It's not just about who gets it. It's about how will the assets be distributed. So if you have property one, property two, property three, and some share portfolio, you may want some people to have property one, you may want some people to have property two, and you may want some people to have your share portfolio. And out of that, you may want certain shares to go to some other people. So it's important to think about not just how much money you're going to leave for your kids or whoever you want to leave it to, it's you actually want to leave your assets according to your wishes. Think about special items, you know, the wedding ring, um, the necklace, the wedding gown, um, if you have a teddy bear collection, I love teddy bears, um, you know, think about those special items that you may have had uh, in your possession for generations and you want to give that to um, your offspring and carry that forward in the long term. Now, also think about what happens if only you die or you and your partner dies. And what about if you, your partner and all the kids, they're all dead. Um, as unfortunately, you know, family disasters do happen, the car crashes, the plane crashes, the ship sinking, etc., etc. Now, think about what happens if you die and your partner dies and your kids are minors. Who becomes your guardians? You know, who becomes the executives of the will? Um, and of course, what happens if one of your child achieves adulthood before the other child? So then you've got a child who might be, you know, a 21 and the other child is 16. So who then manages all the assets? You know, is there provisions in your will to ensure that the executor appropriately handles these situations? And of course, the executor may need to be paid. But, you know, when it comes to these sort of issues, you find that money can change people over time. And doesn't matter who they are, can be family, very good friends, extended relatives, whatever it is. So think about providing a, some sort of income source for the person who is in charge of your um, uh, estate 
uh, especially if the executor uh, involves the guardianship of your children, because of course they need to be paid for what they do, because it is a huge responsibility that they're taking on for the long term. Now, cost to the will. Think about uh, if it's a simple will, um, maybe about $500. I'm not a great fan of those will kits that you can get from the local news agents. I don't think they're good value for money. I think they can be fraught with difficulties unless your you know, asset portfolio is extremely simple. Um, then it's highly recommended not to use that. Do it properly with a lawyer who specialises in wills and estates and testamentary trusts, etc. If you want, um, you know, testamentary trusts, if you want medical power of attorneys, financial power of attorneys, which I think is a great time to do it when you do the will, you're looking at an excess cost of about two thousand, maybe two and a half thousand dollars. And there are some packages available, but depending on the type of lawyer that you use, okay. Now, at the same time, think about advanced care directives. Um, you know, this is really, really important. This is your final wishes. Um, and in that, also consider organ donation, which is a slight sort of interest of mine. Um, you know, disclosure, I am a doctor. I think organ donation is an incredible gift, uh, perhaps a better gift that you can give anyone at any time than any other gift. It's valuable more than money can buy, believe me. Um, now, I've dealt with patients um, who've died without a will, um, particularly elderly patients when I used to be working, looking after elderly nursing home uh, residents. And it gets really tricky because it becomes a dog's breakfast where every Tom, Dick and Harry comes out, you know, asking for the doctor about health summaries. And you've got to be very wary, very careful about how you handle those requests. So it's a very, very tricky situation. So always consider a will. So if you don't have a will, then this becomes a very tricky situation. If you have a will, it's clear cut. You've thought about all the different algorithmic approaches to who gets your estate when you die, then it's black and white. Now, what if you don't have any kids? Do you really need a will? The answer is yes, because you'll still have assets. You'll still need to decide who gets your final assets. So yes, you do need a will. So that's my little rant on wills. If you haven't got one after this podcast, research it. Most importantly, discuss it with your partner if you have one. Discuss it with a trusted person who might be the guardian for your children. Discuss it with a trusted person who you want to appoint as executor for your estate. Now, remember, the executor that you appoint, they have a lot of responsibilities, so be very careful with that choice, but also make sure they want to do it. Don't just go, hey, you know, mum or dad or brother or sister or uncle or aunt or, you know, cousin, would you mind being my executor and just force it upon them because they need to have some time to think about it. So I think it's important you, you know, afford that luxury and spend some time to make sure the decision that you make is appropriate and also the executor and the guardian, whoever that you appoint, actually wants to do the job because some of them might not feel up to it. Some of them might feel pressured um, and you don't want to be in that situation. Now, coming up to the second part of my podcast, which is preparing for a potential ticking time bomb for your investment property. So recently there was an article um, about the lending squeeze. And as you know, the lending squeeze is well and truly underway. It means lenders are tightening the belts and not giving out loans as freely. Now, for the overseas listeners in Australia, the property market is declining. It's probably declined about sort of 8 to 10% of the last 12 months. People are getting a bit edgy. They're very worried. Reserve banks also getting a little bit worried. They're not raising rates. Um, they're probably going to lower it or stabilize it. Um, so, you know, that's what's happening locally. Now, overseas, it might be different. So remember, when you listen to these podcasts from overseas, this is for an Australian context, okay? 
So lenders are not giving out loans in Australia as freely and as frequently and without restrictions as they used to perhaps five years ago. So first of all, deposits are tightening. So you're likely to need to put up about 10% as a minimum. Gone are the days of 100% loans. Very few get them now. And even 5% deposits are becoming difficult. You know, if you're unlucky, the bank's going to expect you to have a 20% deposit which I recommend anyway because that means you avoid what's called lender's mortgage insurance, okay? So you, that's just basically a waste of money um, if you're having to, um, you know, if you're having to uh, pay for that. Secondly, if you have investment properties, then most people in Australia in the past have taken out investment home loans on what's called an interest-only basis. Now, in the near future, what you might notice is that the banks start calling up those customers by, you know, by letters or by phone calls or your bank manager might give you a call to say that the interest-only component or the interest-only loan may switch to a principal and interest-free payments. And this is the ticking time bomb. Now, this can potentially increase your monthly repayments significantly. So if you don't know when it'll hit you, and I know it'll hit you, because it's going to happen to pretty much everyone, no doubt about it. Make sure you pick up the phone next week uh, or tomorrow or whenever it is. Um, make contact with your lender earlier rather than later. They don't provide you with much notice when this happens, apart from an, you know, a letter or a phone call, like I said before. So why is this the case? Why is the interest-only loans being converted to interest and principal loans? Well, it's because house prices in Australia are decreasing across the country. Borrowing has become harder and banks want their money back. In other words, if the house prices are decreasing, then banks are afraid they won't get their money back if the market tanks even more. That is, they can't sell the home for the money owed on the mortgage. This is called negative equity. Now, recently on Four Corners, or I think it was ABC 734, I can't remember the exact show, but they talked about what is negative equity. So if you'd bought a property at the peak in 2017, today it's probably worth less than what you paid for it. More importantly, it's worth less than what you owe on the more, uh, owe to the bank. And this is a very, very dangerous situation. Of course, it only affects people that are wanting to sell the property in these times, but negative equity is a very risky situation. So as a result, the banks are getting a bit more wary. They're trying to protect themselves as much as possible. The Royal Commission findings to the banking sector has been released. And what they're doing is they're contacting customers that are on interest-only loans for their investment properties that are going to switch over to principal and interest-only, which means their minimum monthly repayments is going to increase. Prepare early and quickly and be upfront and honest with your lender. So how do you do that? Well, you budget for the rise early. Ask your bank when it'll hit up. Make sure um, that you be honest with them and say, this is my current repayment. What is going to be my repayment if you include principal repayments as well? Now, the Reserve Bank predicts about two-thirds of interest-only loans will expire by the end of 2020. Use this opportunity to pay off your non-deductible debt, your home loan, as quickly as possible. And if you have any other debts like consumer loans, knock it down and pay it off. You know me, I don't like consumer loans. I just don't like debt in general. I can understand that some people have investment property loans and personal mortgage loans. That's okay. But if you've got a car loan, if you've got a credit card debt, personal loan, pay it off, please. Do not waste time having to pay repayments and minimum repayments on those loans. I've talked about how to pay debt off quickly. I've talked about debt paying strategies um, in previous podcasts. So go back and listen to that. Refinancing. 
It's always an option, but it's getting harder. You need to jump through more hoops than before, so it's not as easy as what it used to be, but it might be an option for you, which just means it reduces your monthly repayments, including principal though, which means it releases more cash flow for you. Save more money. Saving is really, really important. I crack on about 20% pay yourself savings money and investing it. It's easier said than done. You know, cut that Netflix subscription. Look at all your wants. Do you really need a Netflix subscription? Do you really need obstetric cover, that is pregnancy cover, if you have private health insurance, if you've finished family? Um, if you've got a young family and you, and you don't want to have any more kids, maybe you don't need obstetric cover. Um, so why pay for it if you don't really need it? Do you really need branded food, given that there may be absolutely no benefit to your health if you had branded food? You know, do you really need to shop at high-end shopping centers like Chadston, for example? You know, not particularly high-end, but there are some high-end stores in Chadston like Tiffany and Prada and Louis Vuitton, etc. You know, consider selling your investment. So if you think you can't afford your investment property, this may, you know, be the only option that you might have, which just means at this current market, it's not a great time to sell your property. Um, but you know this this may this may affect people that have bought homes in for investment only for negative gearing. That is just madness. Don't invest for a tax deduction. You still lose money in the long run. Maximize your tax deductions for your investment property because if you maximize your tax deductions for your investment property, it is likely you will get more tax money back at the end of your financial year, which can, you can put towards your non-deductible debt, which is you know what I kind of do, um, uh, or I take that money and invest it into the share market. I just don't eat it up. I don't go on holidays using that money. That's a separate topic altogether. Now, this includes rental expenses, home improvement repairs, depreciation schedules, and even when you need to visit the home for inspections, the time, the car cost, all of this can be deducted, of course. I'm not a tax accountant, so I'm not authorized to give you professional tax advice, and this is not personalized investment advice, but what I'm saying is these are some of the issues that you need to think about and have a chat to your tax accountant as well. Why do you want to give free money to the ATO? Now, if you're in the mood to give free money, then contact me, I'll give you my bank details, and you can transfer some of that free money to me. So, two main topics, and in summary, what we've discussed is the importance of wills and testamentary trusts. If you don't have a will, listen to my podcast earlier, uh, one of the earlier episodes, the first 10 episode series. Um, I think it's really important that you have a will, at least discuss it, start the process as soon as possible, and review it, and make it, you know, airtight make it squeaky clean so that everyone, you know, when they read the will knows exactly where the money and the assets and the shares and the properties or whatever that you have goes to whom exactly how much uh, and in what capacity. Think about your executor, think about your guardian uh, for your children if you have children. And the second part of the podcast is preparing for the potential ticking time bomb of investment property home loans being tightened. That is that a lot of the interest-only home loans for investment properties are very soon going to be switched over to interest plus principal, which means your monthly repayments is going to go up. So you need to be on guard, need to discuss that with your lender, be honest and prepare for it. Now, uh, just to summarize the motto of the whole podcast channel, the aim is to educate everyone about personal finance. Um, and the aim is to make sure that you know enough information uh, to plan your personal finance in such a way that you're not unnecessarily making bad decisions. 
Um, and generally, the principle of this podcast is the pay yourself concept that is take a set percentage of your after tax net income and put it away and invest it for the rest of your life. And I recommend that you invest about 20% of your next net income every month, put it away, keep investing it for the rest of your life, and the chances are you will end up retiring with significantly more money than you're ever going to need. So this is Dev Raga, Personal Finance. Thank you very much for listening to this um, podcast episode. I have been away on conference and holiday for the last three to four weeks. I've just come back to uh, our beautiful city of Melbourne, getting kind of cold here compared to when I left. Um, and my next episode is going to be about travel, how to plan for your vacations and how to incorporate personal finance principles when it comes to planning for vacations. I've just come back from a vacation. I've learned a few things and I think it's useful that I make an episode about it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Till then, guys, take it easy and always stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 